Hey, thank you. Thank you for joining me. No, seriously, thank you for joining me. If you are listening, I'm thrilled to have your, your ears uh, occupied by my voice for the little bit of time that we're going to be together. So I, I do appreciate it. It's kind of a uh, cliche to say thank you for joining me, but but look, I'm here to tell you that I am sincerely happy you're joining me. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I um, One of the things I'm learning through this process, and indulge me for a second because I am going to be a little self-indulgent. However, I want to place the, ca- the caveat on my self-indulgence to the fact that I hope to never share things simply for myself, but hopefully, hopefully that they will, you know, you'll learn something as well. So, um, I, you know, I, I'm a huge f- believer in content marketing and producing a narrative, uh, etc., and so on. Also, targeting your communication well, and really just doing it right. In other words, don't do it when you're. 100% comfortable with it, but just get started. And this is kind of an exercise in that because I've not done the podcast format before, and it's longer. It's You have to be a little bit more thought out. You also have to be much more comfortable with your voice or your tone. And that's one thing I find myself struggling with, which is ironic because I'm never <laughs> lost for words. Matter of fact, maybe there's too many words. So, you know, take that away with you and file that away as far as um, uh, something that is uh, to be expected when you're getting into a new content area. And I don't think necessarily just podcasting, but it could be anything. You know, for me, being in front of a camera on video is, is not a tall task. I've done it before. I'm comfortable with it. This is something new for me. So it might not be audio for you or, or this format. It could be writing. It could be something else. But you know what? Go into it fearlessly. Always, I think, focus on sharing something of value with those you're communicating to, and I think you'll be okay. But you be the judge because I'm not the one sitting where you are listening to me and you could be saying, hey, get on with it already. So indulge me. Thank you for indulging me, I should say. And let's get on to today's episode. So today we're going to be talking to Doug Claffey. He is the, uh, I go into a little bit of an introduction in a minute here. We talked uh, a couple days ago, but long and short of it, Doug runs a company called, he founded and runs a company called Workplace Dynamics in Exton, which is outside of the Philadelphia area. And they're in the workplace improvement business. It's an interesting space. I would encourage you to go check out the space. There's a lot of companies that are doing some uh, sort of workplace improvement um, effort these days. So they're not uh, they're not the only game in town, but they are, I think, the most dedicated to a mission. And that's why I've asked Doug to come on because the level of priority that they give their mission and culture is exemplary. All organizations should take it as seriously as they do. And that's the nature of the conversation that we're going to hear from Doug in a minute. So listen, what should you take away from this? Two things. I think the first is listen to Doug in particularly talk about this idea of accidental culture. I think he does a fantastic job of describing uh, where you'll end up if you don't uh, consciously map out where you want to end, right? Uh, so begin with the end in mind kind of thing, but in this case, uh, against the, the culture and the environment that you're creating in your workplace. And then secondly, I think uh, take a good listen into how they develop their mission statement and mostly the simplicity. It's a very brief statement. I won't spoil it here, uh, but it's simple, but it's got three elements that they can tangibly point to and continuously reconcile how they're performing against that mission. So that's what I hope for you to learn today, those two things. So listen, do me a favor. If you like it, let me know that you liked it. Give me some questions or whatever. Mostly pass it along. Uh, But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it, and uh, we'll get into my interview with founder and CEO of Workplace Dynamics, Doug Claffey. 
All right, again, here with Doug Clappy, the founder and CEO of Workplace Dynamics. Um, if you haven't uh, taken a survey from Workplace Dynamics, actually, it's quite likely that you probably have in your major metropolitan region. And they do a fantastic job of evaluating exactly that, what the workplace looks like, how they're performing, and areas they can improve upon. So, Doug, thanks for taking time out to talk to me today. Yeah, my pleasure. So, listen, what are the, Doug, really, why I really wanted to, to get you on, on the, uh, the podcast series here is I love the way that Workplace Dynamics takes their mission seriously. A lot of companies give lip service to mission, but yours is simple. It's, uh, it really makes an impact. And, and, oh, by the way, it's, it's, it's a, I could see why and how your employees are passionate behind it because it really makes a difference in not just the company's lives that you work with, but also the lives of their employees. So could you share your mission uh, you know, with us and kind of talk about how you've arrived at it and how you developed values within the company to make sure you're achieving that vision? Sure. So our mission is to help make the world a better place to work together. And when you uh, you asked about how we came up with that, that was a process where we interviewed a lot of employees. We can figure out where we were about, uh, this is over a year ago. We had a, a different mission before that that was uh, not really serving the company, and, and the company had evolved, so, so it is important that missions stay current. And our mission has three major components to it. The, the one is, is it's about the world, so it's about scale. Uh, the second, making the world a, a, a better place, so it's about improvements, it's about making things better. Uh, and then it's to work together, so we're all about uh, helping with uh, helping individuals work together in, in the workplace uh, and in other other areas where people pull together to try to achieve things. And so it helps us to understand who we are and what we're about, but also who we are not, uh, what are the things that, that are kind of outside of our purpose. And um, so uh, so that's that's how that all came together. So a lot, a lot packed in that statement, but what I like the most is you said that missions need to stay current, and also it seems pretty clear to me just in, in our dealings and, and knowing a little bit about your company that your mission really matters. In other words, it impacts the operation of your business. Would you So talk about those two things, the importance of, well, as a leader, is it a challenge to keep the mission current, and then the next step to get your employees to, to see it as important? Because again, a lot of times mission statements are filled with words that kind of mean something, but they don't really motivate people. But you've taken a different approach. Hey, we want to keep our mission current, and we want our employees to feel feel as though they can get behind it. Sure. So the the uh, I guess I'll take those in reverse order. The, the, the having employees feel like they're a part of it um, was um, involving them in the creation of the mission, um, sharing different different wordings of the mission with employees and getting the feedback so that they felt like they were part of it and felt some ownership for that mission. And could get, um, and, and then on the currency piece, uh, you're only going to be changing a mission every day or every month or every quarter. Um, and in our case, it was about probably five or six years since we had kind of updated our mission. But the, the point where the mission stopped serving the decision making and it was kind of out of alignment was a point where it was time to time to revisit it. I see. What about? I know culture is a big uh, matter. Of fact, we, you and I, and, and Dan talked the other day about how much culture is being written about these days. You know, the, the, you talked about the employees kind of getting behind that, but talk to me about the the importance of culture. I know you, you care 
significantly about yours. You, you bring people in. They're the right cultural fit. I talked to um, a woman in the city just the other day, a small PR firm, and they interview very similarly. They take a very – they interview for culture fit first, and then they'll look at the skill set. How – you know, given that you know, companies of all size are challenged with making sure they understand their culture, but then nurturing that culture so that the engage the workforce feels engaged and is producing against the mission. I mean, what are some of the challenges that leaders face, and then what you know the the importance of of prioritizing culture as a as a key operational element of of the company. So, uh, a couple couple pieces in there. The in terms of the importance of prioritizing culture. Um, and the right culture for your business, um, and then sort of what are some of the challenges? What are the three three components I heard? In the the, it, it's it's kind of funny to me this notion that culture is now important. It wasn't before. In that the the big concept of culture has been important forever. So so if you think all the way back to the Egyptians, their culture is, is part of what allowed them to build the pyramids and the and the Sphinx. The, the you know you go back to the Greek and Roman cultures, and we're not talking about businesses now, but we are talking about culture in the broadest sense, and, and those cultures really are a big part of what what uh, made those civilizations successful. And so, so why is it such a hot topic right now? Um, the if, if you think about success as a combination of your, for your business, as a combination of strategy and culture, in order to be successful, you want to have a smart strategy, and you want to have a healthy culture. The, the smart strategy component is just getting harder and harder to be distinctive at. And so uh, with a lot of folks moving towards uh, more knowledge work and and, um, and businesses starting to feel it's more and more difficult to, to be smarter than the next company in a, in a sustainable way, uh, that equation of success equals strategy plus culture means that there's more and more of an emphasis on culture. Now, you mentioned, you know, what's the right culture for you? There isn't one right culture for every business. There's not one right culture for every group of people, and there's not one right culture for every every sector. Uh, there is, um, you know, the sign of a, of a healthy culture is one where the folks are aligned around their mission, they're executing well, uh, and they feel a sense of connection. Now, that can take different flavors and different forms, Depending on the um, the business and the group of people that have come together to uh, to you know in that business, so so that's that's challenging. On the one hand, is there's not just one right answer to culture. So so there's different cultures that'll that'll work in, uh, for different companies. Uh, when you talk about challenges, the the um, the first challenge is, is whether or not your culture is a priority. And so some leaders don't understand that it should be a priority and 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 then they're going to have a culture anyway, but it won't be an intentional culture. It'll be an accidental culture. And uh, they might get lucky, and maybe that accidental culture will line up with their strategy, and maybe it'll be fine. But but more often than not, particularly as you grow, accidental cultures are not going to um, are, are going to struggle to be to be successful, aligned, healthy cultures. The um, and then it, it's in terms of challenges, it's a challenge every day. So so hiring the right people, making sure that they're aligned with the culture. Um, Right from the start, and then ensuring that as you make decisions, that your decisions are congruent with your values and your mission and your culture, and not 
and not just kind of chasing profits or or, or kind of random, because uh, because then you'll then you'll end up in that accidental culture category. It does make sense, and it, I, as as you're you're speaking about it, it sounds like there's a very tangible economic impact, right? Because it's a lot. I guess it's more expensive to bring somebody on, onboard them, and find out six months after the fact that they're not going to be fit with the organization. Now you've invested six months, you're probably, you know, at least eight months beyond where you actually had the demand, and now getting people to leave an organization can be tricky as well. So, uh, do do leaders look at it as an, or I guess are they beginning to look at it more so today as an impact to their their economics? When we started the company seven years ago. There was more discussion about the rationale for engagement and culture, but I see less of that now. It seems like it is more assumed that the relationship is there. That doesn't mean that that's true everywhere, but there there is this kind of sense that culture is really important. As a lot of the businesses that get a lot of the the press for for success, the Apples and the Googles. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk about the cultures that goes along with that. So, so the, there's a lot of awareness around the importance of culture in the business press and in the popular press. So, the um, and then another factor is the millennial uh, influence. It's not clear from our statistics that millennials are that different in terms of what's important to them at work, but certainly the press coverage of millennials. Um, Needs and interests and, and meaningfulness of purpose and, and culture are are uh, tremendous and, and a, much more of a focus on that and coverage of millennials than there is for baby boomers or, or other generations. So that, that's all coming together and people are, are more worried about it than certainly uh, they were seven years ago. The last point I'd make is um, we went through a pretty tough recession, worst economic period since the Great Depression, and then we went through a jobless recovery for a, a period of time and. At that point, there wasn't a lot of talk about culture. It was more about, you know, you're lucky to have a job and how are we going to stay in business and that kind of thing. The, the pendulum is starting to swing back. The uh, unemployment is, is down in in uh, certain sectors. The, the pendulum has swung all the way over to the employee um, in, in tech and, and, and places like that where, where there's a lot more leverage for the employee and, and, and the importance of culture is, you know, that much more important in those sectors as well. That's interesting, especially about the the point about the millennials. About the data shows they they really aren't approaching work much differently. But obviously, the press coverage has been <laughs> there's always every day. There's probably about five or six new millennial stories. It Typically, seems. it doesn't back up. But when you look at the, when you look at the uh, if you read it from the press, you'd think they were a whole different species. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, look, I'm guilty of writing millennial articles myself. So sometimes you know we have to get, uh, get to ride that trend to to get our message out. Sometimes. So let me ask you one last question. Um, the, uh, this is a little bit more specific. There was an article the other day, I think it was in Forbes, it talked about sending late-night emails. And, and that's an age-old discussion about late-night emails and whatnot. But it was just kind of a new take. It basically said, listen, if you're, 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 you're chaining your employees to their jobs well beyond the hours they want to be at their jobs, even if you're a boss that just says, hey, I have the thought and I want to get it out while I'm thinking about it, but have no expectation of reply. And this speaks to the discussion we're having, right, about culture. I mean... I, my, after reading this piece and seeing some online debate about it, 
my uh, you know assumption is well well gee culture really is only as good as you're communicating it in other words if i if i don't understand what the ex- expected values are of my organization if i am a boss that wants to send that late night email out just to get my thought out but i i have to make it clear to my employees look there is no expectation for you to reply right away this is my work style etc and so on so i mean where do you fall in that discussion is it is it a matter of is culture that something that can be communicated or is it more a discussion of values and if it is a discussion of values, do we have to be you know, viscerally clear with them? In other words, in this case, you will not answer late-night emails if the boss sends them because we're, we value your work-life balance so much that we don't want you to be uh, feeling trapped to your, your, uh, your phone just because you get a late-night email. I know I packed a lot in that question, but I'm just kind of curious as to what you would think about it. So uh, there is, there's a couple different components to your question. Um, the First off, there's an implicit assumption that employees, you know, that all employees would not want to answer emails later, not kind of thinking about work. The way that we look at work-life balance is not really work-life balance at all. We look at work-life flexibility. And so on the one hand, there's you might have somebody who's kind of overworked, working 90 hours a week and about to fall over and not particularly efficient and not particularly enjoying things, who doesn't want to send out that late Email. On the other hand, you might have somebody who's got young kids and wants to get home early and get the kids off the bus and feed them dinner and put them to bed and then and then sit down and get some clear time to get some emails out. And uh, and so uh, so so it's not to, to to kind of paint everybody with the same brush is um, I think is uh, you know it's probably not the right way to think about it. So so from our perspective, it is around flexibility. And then it's also around culture. There's um, the 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 senior execs at our company very often will trade late night emails. Um, it's kind of a time when things are clear, and, and uh, you know the uh, but but that's not true of everybody in the company. Um, and so so it, it's it's a uh, uh, certainly there's going to be folks who abuse uh, other people's work life balance um, and work life flexibility and uh you know the um the kind of awful boss syndrome um but i i think that 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 there's gonna be some cultures that are eight to five and you turn off and somewhere you never turn off and somewhere you got fifteen people are trying to change the world in an entrepreneurial culture or sixty or ninety uh who are who are working you know around the clock for a couple of years straight and uh and you know, to somebody else that might seem crazy, but to them it's the best thing ever. So it's it's. Um, I think it's a bit of a. Um, yeah, I, I, to me it's 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 kind of a overblown issue. It's more a question of what's the intent, what's the individual culture, and then the, the second piece you asked about is is important to communicate. Um, to me, communications is important, but um, role modeling and demonstrating behaviors is much more important than the communicating. So. Every culture, not every culture, every culture has values that it actually lives. That's certain. And then some some of them, every some workplaces have them written down. And so if those are congruent and and people actually walk the talk in terms of the culture, then uh, then that's going to be powerful. And as long as that culture lines up with the business strategy, then, then that should really take the business forward and be an advantage. If the walk and the talk are not congruent, um, that's likely worse than not having the values written down at all. You'd be better off to have none. Um, and so you can communicate all you want, but if you're not going to, if you're not going to um, role model and, and act out those values, 
then that communication is going to do more harm than good. Um, and so, so communication is only important, is important, but only in the event that the values make sense for the business and that you're actually going to role model them. And when it comes down to hard decisions, that you're going to really take those values into uh, to heart. So, and I have a brief story I could share, an example that I used the other day in a speech that might help bring that to life from a, a culture of the real strong organization, uh, strong culture. Yeah, please. So, uh, and, and you may have heard this one before, but it's, it's one of my favorites. So, the uh, Southwest Airlines has a real strong culture, founded uh, in the late '60s, and, and it's now the largest point-to-point airline in the United States. They carry 100 million passengers a year. Um, and they have three values, and it's uh, one of them is around a warrior spirit, the second one's around great service, and the third one, uh, the third one uh, is going to fit the third one. Anyway, the, 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 so a customer complained, a very, very uh, kind of big customer flew a lot of miles and complained about, had a customer complaint so around the, how they serve the peanuts or something like that. And so they fixed it um, because they have a servant's heart. Um, oh, sorry. The, the last guy, the most important one is, is uh, fun. It's a fun place. The, 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 second, um, the second complaint that came to this customer was around the boarding processes. So uh, once again, they have a servant's heart, so they, they fixed that. Um, the third complaint was that the stewards and stewardesses were being too flippant um, in their communications with the, the customers. And the, so the CEO wrote, uh, a response back to the to the customer, and it was three words, and the three words were, "We'll miss you." <laughs> and, um, and the ultimate implication was that you know you can go against our values, but but you know we're a fun airline, and if you're not a fun person, you don't appreciate it. Plenty of other airlines to go to. No, I like that. That's a perfect way. That's a perfect way to kind of give it some uh, tangibility, right? But you know, it's listen, Doug. This is exactly why I wanted to, to speak with you because. What I hear and, and what I see with the work you guys are doing is it's not an easy task. Look, to get this right takes commitment. It takes uh, you know uh, honesty and humility across the entire leadership team to do just that, to, to walk that walk and to not just have the values placard on the wall, as a lot of companies do, or, or a mission statement that people carry around on a card, but have it mean something. So you guys are doing that, and I know you're, you're helping a lot of other companies to achieve that and, like you said, make the world a better place to work. So, again, we've been Speaking with Doug Claffey, he's the founder and CEO of Workplace Dynamics. You want to look for top workplaces to work surveys in your metropolitan region and go ahead and take that survey. You'll get an honest look at how your organization is performing against some of these topics. So, Doug, thanks so much for taking time out of your day and, uh, and sharing some of your insight. I really appreciate it. Pleasure, Joel. Thank you. Thank you.